Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Old Testament reading of Isaiah chapter 66, verses 18 to 23, and serves as the theme for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Oh, the tangled webs we weave. In the 1950s, generations of World War II vets were heading back to school. The Montgomery GI Bill provided money for hundreds of thousands of vets to go back and get their college degrees, and many did. Needless to say, the public university system was overwhelmed with students, but they had to accept these students for engineering, architecture, business management, and accounting degree applicants because the American economy was booming. While the rest of the world lay in relative shambles, the North American continent, and the United States in particular, was left unscathed by the conflict, and American factories now had to supply the world with all their needs. So professors from all over the world, like China, India, Germany, Greece, and the Middle East came to America to help train all the students in the skilled degrees so desperately needed to grow the factories to supply the world's demands for goods. But there was a slight problem, especially in the smaller states like South Dakota. You didn't always get the professors with the best English skills, but you took them anyway. Well, because the classes had to be taught and the students needed to learn. My father entered college in the 50s just to such a problem. And he told me several times he could not understand one professor in particular. It was his fluid mechanics class, and his professor was Chinese, and Dad couldn't understand a word he said. As Dad tells it, he basically went to class every day, slept in his chair until it was over, and then studied the book on his own to learn the material. Needless to say, when he had to take his engineering training exams, he really struggled with the fluid mechanics part of the exams. When we are confused by communication, we often set out to find a more discernible way to receive the communication. If we can't hear the TV program, we turn on the subtitles. If we can't understand the politician's speech, we go back and read the transcript. If we don't understand a child's question, we get down on our knees at their eye level and we ask them to repeat the question until we do. And if we can't hear pastor's sermon, we grab a copy of his sermon text so we can read it later or while he is preaching. We do what we have to do when we want to understand what is being communicated and we need to understand what is being communicated. But many times, when we don't want to take the time to understand, we make assumptions about what was said rather than seeking clarity. 
and it weaves a tangled web that is difficult to extricate ourselves from. When we find out, we got it wrong. The opening of our text today is just such a confusing communication from our Lord. Reed Lessing says, this is a tangled web of exegetical conundrum. In other words, this opening verse is so open, there are actually three possible ways we can translate it. Our English Standard Version that we used in worship today went with the third possibility, saying, the time is coming to gather all nations. But that is not the only way it can be rendered. It can also be rendered, I have decided to come to gather all nations. And finally, I am coming to gather all nations. Now I know, you're all thinking, so what, Pastor? They're all basically say the same thing. But in truth, they're quite different in effect. And when there are said differences, we should leave it open so that all are implied equally. This ambiguity by God through the prophet Isaiah gets your attention immediately for the original listeners of this prophecy. It draws you in and forces you to listen to the very next words because if we don't know what God is saying, we also know we don't get to decide what he might be thinking. Isaiah 55.8 makes that particularly clear to Isaiah's listeners when God tells them, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. And Romans 11.34 reminds us today, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? The Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans, trained under Gamaliel, the Pharisee, and knew exactly what Isaiah said and knew better than to assume the mind of God, especially where God did not clarify his word. Unfortunately, many do not attempt to understand this and will attempt to interpret, divine, and assume God's intent in the absence of his clear proclamation. The most ludicrous thing I ever heard a Christian say after reading a text in the Bible was, well, obviously, that's not what God meant. And Romans 11.34 reminds us today, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? It's hard. I get it. We always want God's word to answer our questions. One of my favorite professors used to remind us in seminary, aha, but you ask the wrong question concerning this text. And we do. We come to church looking for quick solutions to the tangled webs we've woven because we did not adhere to God's word previously. We made friends out of selfish wants rather than to minister to those in need. We used our money for selfish gain rather than proper managing of God's creation. We even made career choices based on comfort and monetary gain rather than based on the gifts God gave us to serve in his kingdom. 
And we come back again and again to God to quickly unweave our webs like a silver bullet solution or a cure-all elixir, never ready to address the real problem. We ignored the clear sign that Isaiah prophesied in verse 19 of today's text. When God speaks so fluidly, he does give us clear direction at the same time, and Isaiah's prophecy is no exception today. His sign was to forgo the silver bullet that never shoots what we need it to and pass over the elixir that never heals us of what really ails us. God sends instead a Savior. I was sharing this week with someone that we often like to think there are real heroes in this world. We laud and magnify popular individuals in friendships, politics, and even ministry. We convince ourselves that they are good people that would never let us down and even ascribe an infallibility to them, which works for a while with superficial interactions with them. But eventually, given enough time, enough interaction, and enough intimacy, we discover our heroes are capable of disappointing us bitterly and become despondent that nobody is a good body anymore. Of course, the mature person knows this reality. They will never let you down until they do. But Isaiah is not prophesying a certain failure to communicate. He is prophesying God himself coming in the flesh and even more than that to the very lands that would be most directly affected after he comes. When Jesus came as the baby to Bethlehem and to his inevitable death in Jerusalem and his actual resurrection, showing his power over our sins, he also sent the Apostle Paul to share the message in the Mediterranean. The very geography Isaiah speaks of today is the very places Paul took the gospel to in the book of Acts. The priests and Levites would not come from lineage any longer, but from God calling them immediately to the church, calling young men to administer the sacraments and proclaim the gospel again. And all of that happened because Christ came to make it happen exactly like we still do it to this day together in worship with one another. We could not have done it without Christ coming to make us do it. For 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And it is that mind of Christ that untangles the sins we lay ourselves. 
It is devotion to his holy words daily that instructs in the way we should go so that we follow it all the days of our lives. It is the forgiveness won for us at that cross that gives us hope in all things temporal. And it is the gathering together we have here of all our resources and gifts being worked by the Holy Spirit for all things eternal. There is no more tangled web where Christ resides. There is nothing less than eternal living and temporal healing for everyone. Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.